Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Three Things Podcast. Super excited to have one of my biggest reoccurring guests, Dr. Stephanie Allen. I do ask her if anyone actually calls her Stephanie. I don't I don't think anyone really does. Dr. Steph Allen, she was the first ever Three Things Podcast episode. She was on episode 20 when we did the live Zoom episode, and now she's back for episode, I think this is 54. And we talk a lot about long-term visioning. We talk about what her process is for qualifying and implementing new concepts into her treatment protocols. And we also talk about what she's learned in her time down the rabbit hole with ACL research. And her answer is pretty fantastic on that. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and I will see you next week. Doc, I know you're not a stranger to this podcast. But it has been way too long since you've been on. Um, let's start with a brief introduction of who you are, where you're doing it, why you're doing it, and we'll, we'll break from there. Cool. All right. So I reside in Boston, um, senior member of the Boston PT and Wellness team. We just opened up uh, Last time we talked, I don't believe the clinic, then the second clinic was open yet. I, think. I don't even think it was a thought the last yeah. time that we talked on this podcast. Crazy. So yeah, now we, we have a second location in a town called Winchester, a couple of towns over. Um, we are, myself mostly, but us in general are trying to sort of entrench ourselves in the Winchester athletic world community. I think we get a ton of the high school athletes, uh, that sort of population here, which is great. It's slightly different than our original clinic. So we're expanding a branch, if you will. Um, and why I'm really doing that. People who have heard me speak on other things are probably not, uh, not surprised by the whole fact that I'm just kind of diving deep into youth athletics, female athletics, especially, um, ACL risk reduction type things, um, all things ACL and, and kids. That's kind of my uh, my area of interest. So it's it's nice in a strategic way, but also in my to fulfill my nerd passion way that I'm I'm mostly here in Winchester. And at the end of March, I'll probably be there, be here full time, and just kind of be running with it if I can. So. That's awesome. I like the word, the phrase nerd passion. I'm stealing that. Um, and I hope that we can all someday fulfill our nerd passion. Um, okay. Doc Allen, I'm just, you, you kind of, I feel like you just kind of short sold everything in your, so I'm going to redo your introduction. Okay. So this is, uh, kind of sold yourself short a little bit. Um, your name is doctor. Does anyone ever call you Stephanie? Mm, no, not really. Some, sometimes like first visit. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. It, I, I went with the yeah. I kept it sort of super vague. Just you like I'm, left out like a lot of big pieces there. Um, <laughs> Doctor Steph Allen, physical therapist extraordinaire, um, <laughs> super intelligent. Does uh, and correct me how this is phrased, but you do reviewed research for Strong by Science, I believe. 
I actually just, I stopped doing that. Just oh. It was a time commitment, but it was, yes, I was doing three reviews a month for Science for Sport. Their, Science for Sport, okay. Their publication is the Performance Digest, and it's awesome. Um, and basically, you were really just reviewing ACLs, ACLs, ACLs. So when you say it's your nerd passion, it is your nerd passion, but you are also um, someone I would consider the go-to or the expert in my network when it comes to ACLs. So... Don't sell yourself short there. All right. All right. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, for those that are tuning in because you're a fan of Steph Allen, thank you. And for those that are tuning in because you saw this and you're like, what's the three things podcast? The three things are the three things I have written on a piece of paper. Boom. Steph Allen was guest number one when she didn't know she was on a podcast and I just kind of ran with it. Um, that's how the three things literally came to be is I just started kind of spitballing with Steph on the first episode. And now I actually write the things down. Uh, (laughs) I've got three random things. Steph doesn't know. We're just going to spitball through these and she's going to share her thoughts and insights in a very candid, um, super crazy, authentic way. Um, Steph Allen, are you ready for the first thing? Bring it case. Oh, okay. So this has to do with long-term visioning. Um, this is something that I personally am like really, kind of enjoying is writing long-term visions for myself. And I think long-term can be very subjective to how long long-term is for people, three years, five years, 10 years, lifetime, whatever. Um, And one thing that I've always been very impressed with by you admiring from afar and talking to you um, is you're able to take long-term visions and break them up and actually like do shit. Um, So how do you, how do you take your long-term visions um, and break them down into action steps? Well, I do have to, well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, you might be giving me a little bit too much credit. I'm but, not giving you too much credit. Stop being so modest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to credit our, so for, for Level Up, there'll be more information coming out about this, but our two um, partners, Frank and Cedric, um, both also PTs from the New Jersey area, um, they are both business owners and kind of really into that productivity centric, like, and I don't mean from healthcare standpoint, like personal, um, and just like literally getting after shit and holding yourself accountable and all those things. So I have to credit both of them too, especially Frank for instilling some of the habits, I would say that Zach and I both now do on a more regular basis. And I tend to historically have been one of those people that I see the big vision and I just want to do, I want to do all the things and I want to, you know, go after. And then you obviously set yourself up for failure because you can't do all those things and work 40 hours a week and do, you know, A, B, C, and D, spend time with family, whatever that is. So a couple of years ago, that was kind of me just sort of spinning, spinning my wheels inside my head and not really getting anywhere and then being upset with myself for not getting shit done. Um, so I have to credit them for instilling things like the, you know, what is a three to five year plan? What's a one year plan? What is something in the next one year that you can do in the, in right now, as far as like over the next one to three months that would bring you closer to the one year goal and kind of breaking it up like that. Then to be honest, when crap gets real busy, I take it week to week. I like, and, and the only way that it starts to make any sense. Like what I've been doing mostly over the last four to six months probably is thinking about what things are going to bring me to 
that goal. And sometimes it's as simple as I've just been scheduling in, like when I time block, scheduling in just periods of time in the day when I do have it to read. And I'm usually it's like research articles or something like that that's going to help me put together a presentation I have coming up or something like that. So you you literally just start to check off boxes that way. And even if it ends up being a couple of weeks like last, last week, this week, and next week, kind of goal-wise, it's a little bit nebulous for me right now. Like I don't have anything concrete. You know, I had the clinical athlete webinar that took up the last probably three weeks and then that's over and then you're like, okay, now what? Um, but I really, these past few weeks have been a good example of literally just time blocking out things that I have been meaning to read or want to read that are going to help me with a presentation or help me prep for, um, I'm going to the isokinetic conference in London in April and there's a lot of things that I want to sort of have a little bit more working knowledge on so that we, that I can enter in conversation. So those don't seem like really concrete, but essentially by year three to five, when I really want to be running some sort of program with youth athletes, um, that is potentially reproducible, like all those things in my mind are under that umbrella of, of getting me there. So um, micro scaling things has been really helpful. <laughs> I don't no, know if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. And I think there's two pieces in there that I just kind of pulled out. I literally have a pen here and I'm writing things down. I think this is the first podcast that I've actually like written down things as I, as I recorded with someone. So honored. Um, so one is, is you've got to write things down. Like you've got to like visually be able to see it and keep track of it because putting it in your head is just not, not going to be viable to be like, Oh, I'm going to remember this all the time. Um, and then the second thing is it literally sounds like writing a strength training program or like a return to sport protocol where you have, uh, like the big goal and then you have the little phases along the way that kind of get you towards that big goal. And like the irony of like, like fitness rehab industry professionals like struggling with this where we do it for our clients every single damn session every single damn day is is like just like whoa right now i'm having like a whoa moment where it's like we do this with with the art our profession like that's what we're 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 literally guiding people's goals but we have we uh struggle can get that word out on a sunday morning uh we struggle to do it for ourselves when it's literally almost the same process like we're, we're really good at doing it for other people. And we joke about it in, in the PT world too. Like we're the worst patients. If I like get a little injury and I can't lift for a few days, I'm like the crankiest <laughs> ever. And it's like, what would you tell your patients, dude? Like calm down. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. And it's just, that's wild. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, like whether it be with level up or you personally with all the things you've got going on, it's just like, like sometimes I think it's super refreshing to hear how other people do it because a lot of times when I talk to people, you know, whether it be my coaches on my staff or, or, you know, people in the organization I work for or consult for or whatever it might be, it's like, well, where, what's like, what's the vision? Like, what's the goal? And like sometimes people don't even have that like pieced out. And well, and that's, I think what you just, what you just said is the biggest part. Like you can't work towards anything if you don't have, you know, it doesn't have to be really a hundred percent clear, but ideally as clear as you can make it, like what, what is it that makes you tick? Like that you, that you want to do it. it again, like it'll evolve over the years, I'm sure. But I would say it's worth like quote unquote, wasting your time, figuring that out before you start taking some of the action steps, because those action steps will seem a whole lot clearer and, and easier. And you'll be that much more pumped to do the little things that, you know, on the micro scale might 
not be things that you like enjoy totally doing, but knowing, you know what I mean? Like it's not always going to be, Oh yeah, I'm really pumped to do this. It's just going to be something that you know that you have to do. And I think, um, really quick aside, cause this morning <laughs> I was like wide awake at six. I don't know why. Um, usually I'm, I'm lucky if I sleep till seven, but either way, Sunday morning, wide awake at six, clearly Zach wasn't up yet. So <laughs> went in, I was like, you know what, I'm going to see if I can, it's been like a week since I checked my budget. We do, we use this like online program. It's really cool. And I, for the life of me, I sat there for 40 minutes and I was like, I, this is, it wasn't like bad money wise. It was just like, I'm still trying to figure out this program. And I, and then when he got up, I was like upset. I was like, I just spent 40 minutes. I wanted to do some reading. I didn't like, I wanted to be productive. And he reminded me, and I feel like I need to remind myself even now on a regular basis, like you can't beat yourself up with yeah. things like that. Like I did actually, I was quote unquote productive in a way, like kept track of some money, things, whatever. It's just that in my mind, I wanted to get up and read and I didn't. So then I was pissed and it's like, well, that's not a great way to start your day. So it's not, it's not perfect. But That's funny. Coming to terms with just what, what, is productive. And again, like you said, is not beating yourself up for something that isn't the perfect scenario in your brain. Yes. So funny. Um, it's so nice. When we have to say those things out loud and like kind of come, come to, you know, have a quote unquote, come to Jesus moment with them and be like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to, we're going to make it. Um, huge. <laughs> so this is a, this is a, there's no good segue into the second thing. It's completely, okay. <laughs> um, we're going hard left turn. Yeah. Hard left turn here. Blinker, <laughs> blinker just barely got, it's a late blinker too. Um, so I'm always kind of interested with this facet of like the people like, so as a physical therapist, as you know, like a person who, who definitely puts the physical and physical therapy, like I've, I've seen you like training in your own training and stuff like that. But what in this, I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but what is your process for whether it be for qualifying or even implementing new concepts into how you treat your patients or, you know, into return to sport training protocols? Because you definitely dive into a lot of very progressive concepts and you dive into a lot of concepts that are, you know, have been around, but you kind of like are looking at the validity of them. Like what's your kind of like step-by-step process to saying, okay, this is something worthwhile. I should be doing this now. How do I do that? I think, um, that's a really good question. (laughs) It's, it's a deep question. So please break it up and, and interpret it however you will. So I think if I use, um, there's probably two areas where I think I have, really made some big changes in how I practice and, and treat or work with patients or clients. Um, the first being obviously return to sport, um, after ACL, I've been applying some concepts across the board as far as return to sport, even if it's not post-op, if it's just post-injury. Um, but then the other, a little bit more on the chronic pain side and, or, um, uh, low back pain, just because I think that both of those, one of the things they have in common is societally over the last probably, well, a lot of years, but they're both so, I don't know if stigmatized is the right word, but they're being shed in such a crappy light and things like ACL for young athletes still seems to be this big, like not necessarily career ending thing but just very negative and it's and it's especially from the side of 
young females, they almost, they almost at this point expect to tear it at some point, um, which is really crappy. Um, and then from low back pain, chronic pain, you know, there's a lot of this, we were just talking about this earlier, these arguments about how like pain science education was a fad and like, you can't use that to treat people and no one, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that, those are two things where I really don't, I was like, we, there's gotta be ways we can do better. So initially it was like, okay, based on my experience and based on what I'm hearing, seeing and learning, I I believe kind of in my gut that there's there's ways we can do better. So that's kind of part one. Then actually, and again, I'll I'll have to credit Mike Amato with this too. I think since since he's come on board, he's definitely been a, a sounding board and a uh, a person of reason as far as, okay, so we're not sure about something, let's go to the evidence and see what what it said, like check, check original sources types things. So that's where even the ideas for changing things up come from. So that's kind of like part two, if you will. And then part three, to be honest, is a hundred percent being transparent with patients and with who we work with in the sense of like, you know, I'm learning about this. I have this feeling that this kind of stuff isn't necessarily giving us as much bang for our buck, whether that's something physical, psychological, or both. Um, but if you want to talk about something from a exercise standpoint, I think one thing recently I've been diving into ACL wise is some of Dustin Groom's work. And he is talking about how after ACL, the research shows that we overutilize vision as far as like maintaining balance and some of that neuromuscular control. So some of his thesis or, or his PhD, um, whatever he got in, I'm sorry, Dustin, um, <laughs> was made like, testing how obstructing vision in certain ways and then still having them do like some of the plyometric change of direction, some of the higher level drills without being able to like look at their feet or look in a mirror or things like that. Um, and that's something I definitely resonate with as far as one of the things we can do to best prepare them to get back to sport without them actually playing that sport. So I think the thing that we struggle with a lot as PTs is, okay, how can we mimic a game or, you know, a field or court type situation? We can't really, you know, so things like using some unpredictability in drills and maybe obstructing their vision where they have to coordinate six different types of movements to get to a ball, but they can't look at where they're, how they're landing. You know, they can, they can almost study for a triple hop test kind of thing. Right. But they yeah. can't really. So I think that using that as an example, I've actually been talking with my patients about it, be like, you know, I'm learning about this stuff. I really think that there is um, some some solid validity to this and like that this could really help us as far as, you know, in conjunction to a soft return to sport without contact type thing. Um, we're going to, we're going to try some of these new drills type thing. That would be in that aspect. And then as far as, you know, something like um, low back pain or whatever, just again, I just tell people, you know, we've been learning a lot about this evidence has, you know, there's a lot of good evidence for this. I really think that this would be helpful. Like just so you know where my head's at, we're going to be trying some new things. You let me know how it feels and we adjust as we go. Like those are kind of typical conversations I have with people. Um, so there isn't really anything fancy as far as how I implement it. I literally tell them I'm learning this. I have a really good feeling about this. We're going to try it as long as you're okay with it transparency and communication well, two major keys there's research on that too but that can be another podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome like there's always going to be a patient zero you know and i mm -hmm. totally i totally get it uh on the strength conditioning side like if yep. 
like we last year um, with the women's lacrosse team that I trained because there was the year before we had three knees, uh, three ACL tears and, and we kind of just like blew up everything that had been going on and said, okay, we need to start over and, and this is what we're going to do. And yes, it does involve a lot of learning and a lot of light work to make sure that you know what you're doing as far as evidence-based and that it is sound um, principles, but there's always going to be a patient zero and having that, that conversation and communication is definitely huge. Well, that's, that's huge. And I'm glad that you said that. And that makes me feel good because having to start over per se, or like, you know, go back to the drawing board, if you will, with, in those types of situations, I think people get so upset or like, so butthurt, like, you know, this is the way we've done things. Like, you know, they, I'm reading being wrong right now too by Catherine Schultz. And so I'm a little bit biased, but like, I really do believe that in general in society, but especially in the clinical and fitness worlds, if we could all just like calm down and not worry so much about being wrong and realize that actually, if you look back in history, things didn't progress unless people got shit wrong, you know, and, and having some of those, like you said, those, quote unquote, crucial conversations, like we need to be able to all sit at the same table, PTs, coaches, whatever it is, and figure it out for the actual athletes and patients, because we're all, we're all wrong all the time. So yeah. I know it was a little bit of a rant, but I'm glad that you said that. Because, no, for sure. That's, it's yeah. really hard to grow if you're always right about everything. Insert that person that we all know that is always right about everything. Mm -hmm. And there's so much fun to be around. Oh, yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so third thing, we're kind of, this is, has a little bit of a segue. So this is like a, a merging, we're like merging lanes here right now. The blinkers okay, okay. are merging in. It's all coming um, together now. Yeah. And this is, this is, I, I, it's funny, I wrote the question and then I think it was supposed to be a two-part question. And then I had like a, like a, a brain fart moment, only wrote the first part. So maybe the second part will come back to me. Um, you can blame it on being a new dad. Uh, I, I, I don't know how long the new dad thing, I mean, it's been almost four months. I don't know if I'm really <laughs> yet, but, um, or if it's, I'm still considered new. I definitely think the new is within, and if there's anyone listening to this that has a newborn, like the first six weeks, you definitely can play the dad fog. Oh, yeah. Newborn. Like that's where you're just getting kicked in the nuts every day <laughs> um, and moms have it way harder. So dads, if you think it's hard for you, moms have it way harder. Um, okay. So in your time with, uh, yeah, shout out, shout out to Jen, um, <laughs> in your time with ACL studies and, and just whether it be your own, um, your own interaction, like with your own knee or, um, with your, your patients and, and clients who you work with, whether it be on the prevention side or like the post-op side, pre-op side, um, or just in the research, what, over the last, I mean, gosh, it seems like it's been like 12 to 18 months. You've been like, just like digging the rabbit hole out. You're like, here's the rabbit hole. I'm just going to blow, throw a stick of dynamite down there. Just blow the whole thing up. Um, what's been like the biggest aha or like surprise moment for you? Oh, that's a really good question. And it can be on anything. Was it like, like time tested things that have held true or is it like these new modalities or, or just kind of like, like give me like, the, and this is probably like the worst question ever. So I apologize because I've been trying to ask better questions on this podcast, but like what, I mean, you have so much exposure to it, um, whether it be personal or professionally, but like, what is one thing that you're just like, you either keep coming back to, or just like, what's that one thing, like the one line of, of kind of summarizing everything that you've done in the last 18 months on a hardcore professional and personal level. 
It's the worst question I've ever asked this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate it. I do, if I had to, because, you know, you, you spoke to the rabbit hole, which now has, you know, different, there's different arms to my rabbit hole now. Um, as of late, I've definitely been diving a little bit more into the psychological side of things. And that came about from experiencing several athletes that were very much so physically ready and were still exhibiting some hesitation with movement, some lack of confidence, some comments out of left field that I was kind of like, oh, what you, you know, like that, that piqued my interest. So that coupled with the fact that the rates of re-injury and, and return to same level of sport were still like kind of are still crappy. Like, yeah, not kind of, they are crappy. Um, so I definitely have kind of shifted that way a bit in the last year, but I think going off of that, the, the two, there's two parts that come together for me that there seems to be something missing. And I do believe that part of that is psychological readiness. Um, but also that we, we need to learn how to actually just be human with them. And I know that goes way beyond other things as well, but it's not just following a protocol. So maybe, you know what case, maybe that's my line. It's not just following a protocol. And I, 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 figured, <laughs> I figured that even, even a year or two ago, I, I figured that if you really have a very well-structured protocol, like everybody should be, I, I was like, I just need to be more objective and take all these measurements and blah, blah, blah. And yes, in ACL that like, you know, I don't want anyone to hear me say that like keeping track of strength and, and control and signal, all those things. Like you do need objective measures for sure. Um, but I think as far as an aha moment, like I realized pretty quick over the last year or two as diving into this, that the answer wasn't following a protocol to the T and, um, I think that that might sound scary to some potential new grads or, or students or whatever, but in essence, it was a, a little freeing in a way because you could gather some parts from different protocols. Some maybe a little bit more progressive than others um, and kind of mix and match without it sounding like just an arbitrary mix and match. Um, and the bigger part of it is more, you know, now that I'm realizing is, is more just figure out what makes that athlete tick, what their actual goals are, things like the ACL RSI and some of the actual subjective outcome measures in the beginning have been huge because that tips you off to maybe that athlete does need a little bit more of a confidence boost or whatever it is. Um, the two biggest things that have been so recurrent in the research I've been diving into recently is um, fear of re-injury and self-efficacy. Those are like, they just, they just keep coming up. So I figured to myself, okay, they have to hold some weight then. And that's, those are two things now as far as reducing fear, but increasing self-efficacy, whatever I need to do to accomplish both of those things, that's what I do. And it's not necessarily from a protocol. So my aha moment equals protocol is not everything. I love that line. Love it. Love it. Um, that might be just like the title of this podcast, even though it only <laughs> highlights like one question, but that definitely might be like 
the the title of this and someday we we should do like if if you are down for it we should do a super so a critical conversations like a long form full-on rabbit hole acl on the rehab and the strength conditioning side and that would be a very fun podcast to do i i'm open for that because which I know you've done, which is why I try not to, I always like to get a little ACL whenever I have you on this, but you've done a lot of podcasts. If people are like looking for Steph's insights on that, there's, I should definitely link those up because there's a lot of podcasts you've done. I should probably um, keep track. I don't write. There's been, I, I, I listen to them. They're really good, but that's why I'm like, these people are much smarter than me and you go much deeper on, on the front of, of ACL reconstruction. No, don't, like that, so. don't. Don't retract too much because you know what? Um, I wouldn't be where I feel like I'm at right now and I wouldn't be motivated to go where I want to go in the ACL world, ACL world if I did not have influence from strength, really good strength coaches. And, you know, we, we met through Strength Faction and that was like, honestly, on... It seems so long ago. I know, like, right? That was like almost three years ago. Oh, man. Oh, nostalgic moments on the Three Things Podcast. <laughs> Let's get tattoos. Let's get like an ACL. Like, let's just get an ACL tattooed on us. I don't even know what that tattoo would look like. Um, stringy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I do want to give you credit because I, like I said, I don't think that both personally and professionally, um, I would be where I'm at without that influence. Um, and with on, and then from there an ongoing sort of hunger to learn from strength coaches. Um, I still talk to you about team-based things that I have questions about. Like that's the, you know, I'll keep you posted on that by the way. Too. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, but that's what I mean. It's like, that goes back to what I was saying before about, we all just need to be sitting at the same table and talking. So anytime you want to do that, you let me know. We'll pencil it in. Yeah. Let's, I, I, like I said, I got to get down there and, and I want to shadow yeah. a little bit so we could do it in person. That'd be pretty sweet. Like a round table discussion. I just got to figure out the double mic setup. Um, okay. We have one. You have like a double mic setup. Oh no, no, no. We like multiple it. microphones. Yeah. See, I got to get like a channel. I have to go hardcore DJ two scoops to do that. Ooh. I'm not ready. Cause then I'm going to end up getting sucked back in. <laughs> back in. I'm trying not to pull a Brett Favre and go in and out of retirement like four times. Um, <laughs> Okay. So the business is done. Welcome to the mullet side of the three things podcast. Mm. There's a speed round now. Um, the speed round is the best. So answer this, these questions as long or short as you'd like. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. Would you consider yourself uh, a New Jerseyan or a Bostonite? Oh, when I'm driving in general, <laughs> like when you talk to people, are you, are you from Jersey or are you now from like, are you a massle? Like, have you made that? No, conversion? no I'm a, I'm a Jersey girl. Okay. Um, there's there's right. certain attributes that I don't still carry with me or that I'm not really sure I ever um, embodied too much as, as a Jersey girl, but um, zero accent of either. So I know, I know you might um, as well be from Vermont. <laughs> um. That's it, that's funny though because a lot of people I did travel PT for a couple of years and I was out west and everyone was like oh you don't have an accent none like, um, yeah I don't really know if everyone but then you know that seemed funny to me and then I listened to my dad and my brother speak and I'm like oh yeah oh Jersey yeah. has a, Jersey <laughs> and Massachusetts are two very distinct accents I was I was always the black sheep in the family anyway so oh just the smart one the doctor <laughs> um, 
So I see you squatting. I see you deadlifting. But how much you benching now? Oh God, I think. Well, actually, um, tomorrow I start formally with uh, Coach Kevin Can. Also, phenomenal podcast, Boston Strongcast. In case anyone's wondering. Um, so formal coaching, I start tomorrow. Actually, I think the most I've done bench wise was one fifteen. Yeah, come on. How much you bench? Yeah, that's Lots definitely an, that's yeah, definitely an area for growth for me. Yeah, let's go. How much you bench there, Twigs? Let's do this. Yeah, I I uh, I, I want to say it's one fifteen, and that's the other thing too that I, I never kept track of bench because I don't really I don't really like it. <laughs> no, not anymore. Now you're benching. Yeah, I'll I'll have to keep you posted on that yeah, one. Yeah, hell yeah, I want videos now. <laughs> how much you bench? Um, okay, um, you said uh, what. I forget the name of the book you mentioned, but like, what's the best book or podcast you've listened to over the last six ish months? Oh gosh. Don't be biased. You already said that book. So you can't say the, the book again. I won't. Um, well, it, it is a just, podcast too. It doesn't have to, or some audio thing. It doesn't need to be a webinar. It can be anything. Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I know you do. Um, <laughs> I think I'm trying to think now. I do really really appreciate um as far as non-pt podcast sure i don't care what it is anything hidden uh hidden brain is an npr uh podcast but also the you are not so smart podcast i would say that that is has probably been a thought-provoking game changer consistently over the last four to six months um i forget the name of the guy who actually hosts it he's um, pretty awesome. They're not more usually than like an hour, but he had a four part series on the backfire effect that I think is so applicable in the clinical world, but essentially it's the idea of how when people's beliefs are challenged, they hold on to them even stronger. Mm. And part of it, you know, goes actually into, you know, they bring, he brings in researchers and psychologists and things like that. And they go into the actual, you know, quote unquote science behind why people are so averse to change or they're, they're so averse to having those open, you know, discussions, conversations where we were just referring to before, because it's something that they hold so dearly and is like part of their being that when that's challenged or when there's an inkling that they might be wrong, you know, shit that they've believed or that they've done for so many years might not be what they thought it was. They just, you know, they won't even entertain the fact and they, they will just sort of grip onto it even more tightly. And I think that was a really, really cool series for me to go through because not only am I guilty of it, I'm sure we all are, but I feel like as of late, that's been a lot of what I think is a lot of the BS that's been going on in the clinical world. Clinical world. Okay. You're, you're not so smart podcast and the hidden brain podcast. Yes. Check them out. Um, what is a good networking do like a good best practice for networking? You know what, to be honest, I have always kept it pretty simple and you know, things like Instagram lend itself well to that because it's not necessarily unprofessional to just DM someone. Um, and for the people that have put out stuff that I really resonate with and that I'm like, you know what, I just, I just, I want to learn more about that person. Um, I have, I have done that. I would just message them and say yeah, that I appreciate what they're doing um, with really no intent other than 
potentially hopping on a call or even email or whatever it is and actually just learning a little bit more about them, being curious more so about them and their work than I think the, the opposite side of that is like never, never initiate conversation with someone in a way that's going to make it seem like you're thinking about what they can do for you. You know what I mean? It's always just kind of, um, even if you think potentially down the road, there's a good partnership opportunity or anything like that. I think being genuinely curious about people that you feel like you're resonating with goes way farther than you think it does. And even if you don't end up like hopping on a call, if you just sort of support each other via social media and, and chat once in a while, you'd be surprised that when you roll something out, whether it's a series or you're trying to do some sort of project and, and you're asking for support, like, you know, you're going to, you're going to have support from those people that, that they know they have your respect. Um, and you never also know what opportunities could come up when they're doing something, you know, maybe they'll call on you for, for help or, or to be a part of something um, that will help your own growth. So I think that's, that's always what I've done. Just been like, you know, no expectations, just go in and, and let them know how you feel about, about their work and kind of see how it goes from there. Nice. Nice. What's a networking don't, what do we, <laughs> what are we avoiding to do? Uh, shoot. Well, I alluded to it a little bit. Don't, don't initiate conversation by asking for something. Um, so I should not slide into the DMs and be like, hey, you want to go on a podcast? <laughs> I, shouldn't, I should not just slide right in hard and just be like, hey, you want to come on my podcast? Maybe maybe DM number two. Okay, okay. Um, I would say other than that, like kind of other than asking for something. Um, oh, shoot. That's tough. Well, I think it's like the opposite of what you said, just like starting by and trying to kind of like abstract value from that person for your own selfish reasons. Yeah. And people, you know, you'd be surprised, like people pick up on that shit if you're, if you're not being authentic. So I guess anything that would fall under the umbrella of like not being genuine and authentic and like curious. And I, I think exposure to that whole being curious thing was um, strength action when Steve-O was on. Mm-hmm. from Habitry and he yeah. had that whole discussion about like legitimately you know that's to be honest I think around that time is when quote-unquote my networking game actually kind of stepped up a bit and I was like this isn't necessarily about you know I, I think not to go down a rabbit hole but sometimes being female you don't necessarily have the same especially in fitness and clinical worlds it's kind of hard to have that confidence that I think is sometimes feeling like you're in a, a male dominant pond if you will so I think that that initially early on was what kind of held me back a little bit but then you know first listening to to Steve talk about just literally showing genuine curiosity with people and I had been I haven't once been um quote-unquote turned down from having a conversation whether it was male or female um it's been really helpful for my own confidence too nice um a couple last questions here is Kyrie Irving bad for the Celtics Oh God, why did you do this to me? Cause I think he wow. is. I think they should have traded that dude a long time ago. So here's, here's the thing. Lifelong Celtics fan here. And I, I love Kyrie in the sense of like, as a player, I think that the Boston Celtics have a unique problem because they have like, they have 
they're what's the word I'm thinking? They're deep. They have you so know, much talent. They have so much talent. And what I've noticed is that when Kyrie is in, I think the other players like don't necessarily know what to do. You know, you have I mean, Tatum is incredibly talented. Rozier, like Brown, Marcus, like all these, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, like I, I, all these people, it's almost like there's too much. And I think that the, they almost look sometimes hesitant when he's in. So I hate that the words are coming out of my mouth, but I, I can't disagree with you. Get rid of him. Highest bidder. They should have traded him at the deadline. They could have just taken even more future assets. I think it'll take the chains off of them a bit. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, okay, so switching um, across <laughs> the street from the Celtics, talk to me about pliability. Pliability, bro? Bro, pliability. Wait, what? Pliability, TB12, Tom Brady's like thing, oh, pliability. I'm not sure I want to – abstain from the answer what pliability i I don't want people to think that i mean because i have nothing nice to say um so okay here's here's what i I love it i love it's like the made-up word the tom brady with the pliability (laughs) t-shirt it's amazing so here's my thing tom brady phenomenal quarterback will never ever discount that and whatever your self-care routine is great that's you, I, you do you. Okay. But when you're trying to sell that, especially to young athletes, a couple of whom I know and have been there, you can't try and tell me that being flexible and not strength training is going to help reduce your injury risk. Cause if anything, that's actually going to increase your injury risk. So I don't necessarily appreciate that it's being paid for, you know, to like buy into that quote unquote method just because it's, you know, celebrity bias. Yep. Um, but I won't, I don't want anyone to think that I'm coming after Tom Brady's talent. I just don't necessarily agree with selling that method. Oh, pliability. But you need a t-shirt though. But you need a pliability t-shirt. I... We can get you a pliability t-shirt. <laughs> um, okay, I don't even know thing. the word. <laughs> last thing, uh, because I know you got to go and I appreciate your time and I don't want to take too much of it and be selfish, even though I want to be selfish. What would you tell a high school junior or senior who is looking into a physical therapy program or like an undergraduate program with the end goal of being a physical therapist? Oh, that's a good one. And we talk to a lot of students. Um, so I think what I've gathered from that is one, don't necessarily just go to a school because it has a prestigious PT program. You're, the, the way that PT is right now and it's going on through some changes, not to discount or discourage the want to become a PT at all, um, but it definitely is, is going through some changes, I believe, for the better. Um, schooling and the testing is a bit behind as far as some of the new stuff, so that's not necessarily going to be different anywhere you go. You all take the same national PT exam. Um, but I definitely would say don't, don't stress yourself out too much as far as where you go um, just because they potentially have a longer standing or a more prestigious DPT program. Um, look into their actual curriculum. See what kind of, you know, go and interview and quote unquote shadow or visit or whatever it is get an idea from current students if you're able to and or teachers about their 
I know it might sound like a silly question as a high school junior or senior, but about their culture of their class and their, their program, because if there's not a lot of weight put on things like clinical reasoning, critical thinking, um, some sort of psychological aspect, some, some programs now have like motivational interviewing, which would be phenomenal. Um, and that's more so if you can get any kind of pulse on what they add aside from the clinical stuff, like musculoskeletal exam and all that stuff you're going to get anyway, no matter where you go, if you can find a program that's a bit more progressive, as far as getting out and treating humans, that's going to fare you a lot better. Um, I don't know any specific way of doing that other than really asking those questions and or visiting the school. Um, and then aside from that, if you're really not sure, to be honest, go where they're going to give you the most money for aid. <laughs> like, that still, shit is expensive. And, and you know, like, it goes, it goes hand in hand with the networking thing we were talking about before, but it doesn't matter as much which program you do, you're going to get out what you put in. And there's going to be some times, like if you want to be a really damn good physical therapist, there's going to be from the time that you start school and even after school, it doesn't stop. There's going to be time that you need to devote to reaching out to other, you know, informal mentors, older classmates, current PTs. Like if you're willing to kind of sign up to do that kind of stuff on the side, you're going to be good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that the biggest thing is don't stress you know, some programs have bigger names or they're, you know, they're very alluring based on their uh, quote unquote track record of passing the exam and things like that. Um, but that's not, it doesn't carry as much weight as you think it does. Nice. That's some rock solid advice right there. And that's, uh, that's what we'll end on. So if anyone knows any students, young people, please forward them this podcast because I think they would like to hear what Dr. Allen has to say. Um, Steph Allen, where can people get more Steph Allen? <laughs> um, well, I am StephAllen.dpt on Instagram. I'm, I'm mostly on there. And um, going off that last thing that we just said too, if it, I'm totally open to people shooting me an email or messaging me or whatever, especially students. You have, you have questions. We, we have students come shadow all the time at the clinic. Um, we're pretty, we're pretty open to that and we want to give back and help as much as we can, especially early on in people's careers. So don't hesitate to reach out if you would like. Um, I am just Steph Allen on Facebook. Um, we are, Zach and myself have the Level Up Initiative, and that's also geared towards students, but we don't necessarily have to dive into that today. Um, and that's the Level Up Initiative um, on Instagram and levelupinitiative.com as far as the website. We both are um, sometimes <laughs> adding to the Boston PT and Wellness Instagram page. That's just Boston PT Wellness. Um, and the same, same goes for the website. So um, mostly Instagram. That's probably your best shot. That's where I'm most comfortable. And, um, now twice on the three things podcast. Boom. Is it twice or is it three? I don't think I was on here three times. Was I with someone else? We did the live episode. You were this, we did the, the infamous live episode, which was like basically like everyone from Boston Pizza. Oh, and lit. yes. I told Wow. I was like episode 20. Dang, you're right. Maybe 21, 22. I don't know, but this is definitely the third appearance. Definitely the third appearance. Yeah, no, let's, um, let's definitely do a rabbit hole one. Maybe, you know what? Now that I think about it, when I get back from 
the isokinetic conference, I'm literally probably going to just be overflowing with like hype and <laughs> ideas and information. So that might, might potentially be a good time. That's legit. That's legit. Um, we'll definitely connect on that. Steph Allen, thank you so much for making time on a Sunday morning to come on the three things. Thank you, sir. Give Sawyer a kiss for me, okay? I can do that. She's got big cheeks, so I just like to like <laughs> lick her cheeks. I'll just, I'll just do that. I'll give her a cheek lick for you. Love it. Hi, everyone. It's Casey again. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and I wanted to ask you a huge favor. I don't ask for a lot of favors, but if you could, whatever you're listening this, to this podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, if you could take a minute and just go write a review, I would really appreciate it. I don't get any bonus points or anything like that for it, but I really think it would help get the word out. And if this podcast has helped you, it might help someone else and it'll do a better job of getting that word out to who might need it.